Thank you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, I'm Jim Link, partner with the Cormac Group in Washington, D.C., and you are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hello, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. This is Ron Lanson, Government Affairs Strategist for the Pharmacy Podcast Show and owner of True North Political Solutions. And we are live from Washington, D.C., and we have a special guest for us today, Mr. Jim Link. Uh, How are you, Jim? I'm doing great, Ron. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be here in D.C. with you and uh, host of this show. And I'm sure our folks are going to learn a great deal about what you have to offer. Well, it's always great to see you. Yes, very good to see you as well. Well, Let's get right into it, Jim. Um, If you could tell our listeners how you became involved in government affairs and what led you to pharmacy. Well, I worked on uh, Capitol Hill for eight years, and I had positions with senior members in both the House and the Senate. My last position in the Senate was with Senator Alan Simpson in the Republican Whip Office, um, and that was during the early 90s. And uh, I left the Hill in 1995. I went uh, and spent a year as a steel industry lobbyist, got involved in tax and trade issues. Um, But when I left and I got into consulting, one of my first clients was Kmart Corporation, and among other things, including um, trade issues, I started getting involved in generic drug issues. So that's sort of the, uh, the evolution of my, my involvement with uh, getting, getting involved uh, initially with, uh, with pharmacy issues. And from that springboard, I landed a position as, uh, as the chief federal lobbyist for the National Association of Chain Drug Stores. And so I was with NACDS from... 2000 till uh, right around the time after uh, the Medicare Modernization Act, the prescription drug benefit under Part D was passed. So I was part of that entire process of uh, of uh, lobbying and advocating on behalf of uh, chain pharmacies um, during that time of the uh, prescription drug bill. And uh, since that time, um, I, I, when I left NACDS and got back into uh, consulting again, I was approached by the Association of Community Pharmacists, and um, I have been working with them ever since, uh, which uh, I guess started in 2004 uh, to the present. So we've been working a long time with, uh, with the Association of Community Pharmacists, and in my capacity as their federal Washington, uh, their Washington representative here, I, um, I have been doing a lot um, of work for independence. And uh, the independent pharmacy uh, network is 23, almost 23,000, and it's a nationwide 50-state network of independent pharmacies that, uh, that we, uh, we answer to. Well, that's great. I have, it, it's really a good thing. And this, this uh, association, this is Mike James's association, correct? That's correct. Mike James. And, um, and uh, yeah, he's a fantastic leader. And um, we, have, uh, we have expanded into, uh, into really making sure that everything that we do has the full faith and credit and backing of, of the pharmacists outside the Beltway. 
so it's it's a it's a it's a very good approach it's a very bottom up approach and um we don't we don't we're we're very different we're not a traditional trade association in in that sense we are an a grassroots advocacy organization and that's all we do wow now, I'm sure being here in Washington, you would interact with other pharmacy groups, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to make sure that uh, our resources are not uh, squandered or wasted or overlap in any way with any of the other pharmacy groups. And I, I have to say that we have, uh, we're working very well with all of the pharmacy organizations, and a lot of us have known each other for a very long time, and we're all very friendly. That sounds great. Well, you know, over the years, Jim, uh, I've, I've talked to you. We've interacted in the past on several different issues related to pharmacy uh, pharmacy advocacy. Uh, what are some of the things that you've done personally to help the pharmacy community? Well, we, uh, you know, going back to NACDS, I would say that um, we had, it was a very, very um, challenging time because you know, the, the, the idea that pharmacy um, involvement in a prescription drug benefit, it was obvious. But what wasn't obvious is how that was going to be crafted until we realized from the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee back at the time, Bill Thomas, that it had to be, in their mind, a private sector uh, setup for administering the prescription drug benefit, which essentially meant, in their, in their words, it had to be run by the pharmacy benefit managers. So it was very, we had to deal with that reality from up front, and we had to address all of the issues, the potential issues that uh, would make it very hard for us to remain competitive in a, in a, uh, in a market such as uh, Medicare. Now, this is a new market. So the PBMs had already been established in the private sector. So what we did is we, we looked at, at all of, you know, we, we would analyze the, uh, the, the, uh, the legislation we would try to figure out if we could offer amendments that would be beneficial to pharmacy, and in many ways we were successful. But this was a, uh, a very challenging time for pharmacy, and a lot of people were, were very emotional about it in the pharmacy community because it was a it's a huge part of the market. Medicare beneficiaries make a, make a very large part of this uh, the overall prescription drug market, and uh, we wanted to make sure that the, the pharmacies uh, were, were uh, concerns were addressed in that in that process. Over the years, I've worked again on Medicare Modernization Act. We've worked on uh, pharmacy recognition. Antitrust legislation is something we've we've spent a great deal of time on. Um, uh, MTM, generic reimbursement, and uh, we've also worked on. Um, when, when I say generic reimbursement dealing with Medicaid under Medicaid, that it was a big issue several years ago. And I would say that the biggest issue and, and perhaps our, our only priority today is making sure that we we uh, we allow for what CMS intended in the proposed rule that was scrapped actually gets done with regard to preferred networks. We think that um, that all of the issues that we deal with at ACPCN deal with competitiveness. We're talking about issues that impact pharmacies' ability to compete in the marketplace. And um, that's why antitrust slash negotiation legislation is very important to us. We want to make sure that pharmacies compete fairly 
and that any willing pharmacy can and can be part of any pharmacy network. Any I couldn't agree plan with you. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more about that. I, I think that's very, very important. Uh, and it was addressed in that CMS rule, and unfortunately, some of that was suspended. Could you? There's some, there's some pharmacists, I think, out there that are a little confused about what's going on with that CMS uh, rule. Could you shed some light on that for them? Well, it was a very uh, – well, the rule itself was uh, – CMS announced uh, last month that the rule was going to be scrapped because of pressure – particularly from Congress, to, uh, to several issues that were contained in the large rule. The, the CMS rule, proposed rule, was about 700 pages long. It contained a lot of things that were, uh, that, um, were offensive and were opposed by many members of Congress, including uh, there's the protected class uh, of drugs issue that uh, had unanimous opposition, the non-interference uh, uh, provision um, also had a lot of opposition, but one that they tried to throw in there uh, to, you know, try to at least convey opposition to was the uh, the preferred network issue. Now, that was a controversial issue, yes, because we had a lot of support, but there was also some opposition, and the opposition was led by inside the Beltway uh, large trade associations that, uh, that, that had stood to benefit from a restricted, less competitive or anti-competitive network. And so that's what we're going back to the word competitive again. And those, those, those industries include the, the PBMs for, sh- for sure. Um, and so that stuck with, uh, with a lot of those folks on Ways and Means and Energy and Commerce Committees in the House. And to some extent, the Senate Finance Committee. Um, we've had very good follow-up conversations, actually, with Ways and Means and Senate Finance Committee in the aftermath of uh, of, of what took place, and uh, we sense that uh, there there is a little guilt going on there. We we didn't mean to do this kind of uh, reaction, and uh, we are working very hard to figure out how we can fix this before open enrollment begins uh, for for uh, 2015, which will occur this fall. So we have our work cut out for us. We have to figure out how we can make sure that, that uh, these plans cannot restrict independent pharmacies from having a fair shake in their networks. Can we go back to the negotiation bill that you had brought up uh, a couple of minutes ago? I know we've worked pretty close on that issue in the past, and uh, I know that's something that ACPCN has done a really good uh, job as far as getting some information out. I know NCPA has uh, put some information on that in the past. Could you explain a little bit more to the listeners that may not be familiar as to what that issue is? Yeah, essentially what it does is it creates an antitrust what the what the bill would do create an antitrust exemption for independent non-publicly traded independent pharmacies to band together to negotiate contracts with PBMs. And the way the bill is structured, it would it would allow for pharmacies in a Medicare region to all band together for that purpose. Um, we have a lot of bipartisan support for that approach. We actually passed the bill out of the Judiciary Committee back in 2007. It had uh, one no vote, and the, one, the only no vote at that time was, uh, 
was uh, Congressman Daryl Issa because he didn't think it went far enough. So it wasn't the, you know, we have a lot, again, a lot of bipartisan support. Our current sponsor of that uh, legislation and it's HR 1188 is Congressman Tom Marino from Pennsylvania. He has been a huge champion on these issues and he's got a very, um, uh, he's got a great legal background He's, he's got a great pedigree in, in, in matters such as this. Um, so we've been working with the, the, uh, the, the Senate, uh, I'm sorry, the House Judiciary Committee uh, for a long time. We've had hearings on this issue. We've tried to move it. One of our big obstacles is that the chairman of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Senator Patrick Leahy, has a sort of a, a, a um, carte blanche uh, uh, well, it's sort of an I guess you could call it ideological, but it's it's a just a general disdain for any antitrust exemptions. So so long as he's the uh, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, unless he sees some great build building momentum to do something on this issue, he's he's not inclined to um, to address this. Um, we do have support, though. And, and uh, interestingly enough, the, the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. Uh, uh, the new chairman, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, is a strong supporter of, uh, of changes to antitrust laws for, uh, where pharmacies are concerned. So we have we do, we we have a lot of interesting uh, ways in which we think we could probably try to get this done, um, and we really have appreciated all of the grassroots support from around the country to to help to help move this issue along. We continue to push on this issue. And, uh, and while we continue to push on this issue, though, I have to say, though, our number one priority right now is, is this preferred network issue. We are, we are really focused in on trying to get this done before open enrollment. Okay, that's really good to, to hear that you guys are supporting that because I know all around the country, a lot of pharmacists are wondering about preferred networks and everybody's hurting. I think that's the common uh, source of pain that everyone's feeling. So it's good to know that there's a group out there that's actually uh, fixated on trying to provide a solution for that. Well, I know time's getting uh, short, so I just have a few more questions for you. Okay. Um, I think it was uh, last week I had an interview with Jerry Shapiro out in California, and I was asking him about what he foresees as being uh, some of pharmacy's shortcomings and trying to find a solution around that. According to Jerry, he felt that pharmacists didn't really, um, at least up until this point, have that much conversation with consumer groups, and he thought that might be a good way to go. Uh, in your opinion, is that something that might be a good way to go, or is there another possible solution that you think would be better? Well, I don't know how you define consumer groups. I suppose that's a, that is actually, I, I know what he's saying, and I think that that's absolutely valid. Um, I do think, um, you know, I think we need to be unified. I think the industry needs to be more unified. I do think we are, um, you know, I, I think ACPCN is, is helping to try to direct a lot of what's going on in terms of the discussion to, to certain issues that we feel like the pharmacies, pharmacists, uh, independent pharmacists care most, most about. I would also say that I think our biggest shortcoming in terms of advocacy is the fact that we have, while we have a very strong grassroots, uh, built-in grassroots structure, um, we are outfunded. We are outgunned. 
and um, we, you know, I, I don't want to call it the the pharma- pharmaceutical industry industrial complex, but we are we are up against a formidable um, group of folks that don't always see eye to eye with us, and that includes the the corporate PBMs. It includes um, other trade associations that uh, stand to lose in their own minds if we if we make any progress. So I think that's the big thing. I think it's the inside the beltway uh, moneyed interests that are keeping the uh, the small businesses outside the beltway from from getting as much traction in Congress as we can get. Before I get to my uh, last question of asking you how our listeners would uh, actually get a hold of you if they had additional questions, um, you mentioned the fact that we're outfunded, and that's something that I know all too well. And I know that that really has played into a lot of apathy that the pharmacy community is currently dealing with because, you know, you, it's, it's a lot to to keep the fight up and, and see what's going on with a lot of these contracts and so forth. Any words of advice that you would offer to these folks out here that are, are, um, are, are trying to fight the good fight? Yes. Everybody, every pharmacist has a member of Congress and, and two senators. I would, I would find out when at, at every turn, I would find out when they're going to be home and when Congress is not in session here in Washington, D.C., and I would invite them to your pharmacy. Everybody listening, if you're an independent pharmacist or if you're a chain, it doesn't matter. Get them to your pharmacy and talk about the issues that are important. Um, that that would if everybody did that, it would make a huge, huge difference. We talk we, we hear about how pharmacies uh, do this. And and they do it, and it's 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 very successful because those members come back and they've met with their constituents and these t- you know these these uh, important people in their communities. I mean, these pharmacies are are linchpins in these in these communities, and they and they matter. So if we had more of that, that would we, that would be outstanding. If every pharmacist, <laughs> independent pharmacist or chain pharmacist, decided to make sure that they got their senators and their member of Congress to visit their store. That would be huge. You can't beat face-to-face contact with like that at all. Um, that does go miles. So uh, that's very good advice. Well, Jim, uh, again, if, if anybody has any further questions or really wants to follow up on anything that you said in the interview, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, you can reach me at uh, J-I-M dot link l-i-n-k at the cormac group.com and that's the t-h-e cormac c-o-r-m-a-c group.com sounds good well before we officially say goodbye to you real quick i'm going to do a quick housekeeping note here if anybody needs more information offline or about another subject with regards to these types of issues you can always feel free to contact me uh, through email, that's Ron Lanton, number three, at True North PS, as in politicalsolutions.com. Or you can always feel free to uh, follow us on LinkedIn. Just type in True North Political Solutions and that's uh, the follow button. 
Jim, always a pleasure. Uh, this is the first show that we've actually done on the road here, uh, Washington, D.C., in our lovely nation's capital. And it was great to have you on the show, and perhaps we'll have to have you back at, uh, at a later time. It was great talking to you, Ryan. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Take care. Right, you too.